life is a little bit slower. Life allows you to think about the state of your heart at this present moment. Feel stuck with work? Press pause and listen in. Talk Human to Me, a podcast for entrepreneurs with nothing about entrepreneurship. In our show, founders take a break and talk to us about their identity beyond their company. I'm Jeff Shao, your host for today. In this episode, supported by The Abstract and Maori Audio, I talk with Aisha Sheikh, senior designer and founder of Simplexity. But what she does is only part of who she is. What happened when someone tried to run her father over after mosque? And how did a trip to her mom's home in Kenya affect her outlook on life? Grab a seat and kick back while our guest reflects and reconnects with the personal experiences and roots that created a foundation for their values, philosophies, and outlook on humans. We start each episode with the same question. What about humans strikes you the most? Ooh, uh, talk about an easy first question. I think about two things that are conflicting with each other. With humans, what strikes me is it is it's an oxymoron almost, right? We have things about humans that are so simple. We just eat, we drink, we all need to poop. We're all just so simple. And yet we choose to make our lives so complex by striving, you know, for a certain kind of perfection, the ability for us to be all so simple and the same, but yet we're all so different in our abilities. You know, people have asked me the question around being able to talk to just anybody and not getting nervous to talk to anyone. I just look at everyone as human beings. If I met Barack Obama, I'd be like, yeah, Barack Obama also gets diarrhea sometimes. Yep. <laughs> He's just a human being. <laughs> it's interesting that we could just live very simply and manage the basic needs and flaws that every human being has. Yet humans are always trying to introduce complex things into their life. Do you think it's ego? Is that actual curiosity? Is that because media is telling you, oh, you need these things and introduce these things into your life? It's the social realm in which we live, in which, you know, we have kind of all bought into what was created for us. And maybe because many of us don't necessarily strive to think about what we truly care about and we're so extrinsically motivated. It's There's so much noise out there, especially with technology and, and being able to see so much. And it can be so hard to just really be aware of who we are. It is partly ego and it's partly the democracy that we're, we've created or we want to have and the way that the democracy is running right now, um, still tied by other more complex things. My friend Chris uses the acronym PIMP, Politics, Influence, Money, and Power. People are all trying to be pimps 
And I think those are the overshadowing structures, especially in the US or North America. I can't talk about it being exactly like that in every society. But when we talk about modern society, that's what we think of. I think it's, it's tied to that complexity. But really, when we align with our intrinsic motivations, we can be centered more on like what our values are and, you know, get back to some of the basic things that we care about. What does that look like in you personally? Like what are some of the extrinsic distractions that are constantly doing a tug of war with your intrinsic motivations? Extrinsic doesn't have to be all bad. For me, I would like to have some kind of financial stability and getting to a point of Public recognitions to shift the things that I would like to shift, things that I believe in tied to my values. I'm less interested in having power over other people, but I think really when I think deeply about what makes me happy is when it's about making that difference in someone's life, and that's not through anyone recognizing that. Doing good work, quality work, for your own motivation and how do you build that muscle? So by making up your bed every day when people are not looking at the fact that did you make up your bed or not? No one knows, right? But I think there's a way for us to just continuously live lives that make us feel good and sort of align between extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. Let's take a break. Also, a quick word about one of our supporters. So we don't do canned ad spots at Talk Human to Me. We want to get to know the humans behind the sponsors we work with. I'm going to give Lala Openi a quick call, the co-founder and creative director of The Abstract. Hello? Hey, Lala, this is Jeff. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What value does your company have that personally means a lot to you? With the abstract, our practice is essentially healing and dealing, sharing and caring. Um, This personally means a lot to me because it demystifies mental health work and reminds me that we're all living through the same human condition together. Like none of us lives in a bubble. And in my own journey to healing, it's been a give and take, ebb and flow, rest and recovery, coping and resiliency. Um, it's definitely hard work, but I've learned that sometimes the most profound work I can do is, is to keep things simple. Take some deep breaths, remember that I love and accept myself and my emotions as they are. There's enough organized chaos and disconnect that we deal with on a day-to-day. Healing and dealing and sharing and caring is not only important, it's revolutionary. Thank you, Lala. Now, back to the conversation. You brought this picture of your mother. There is that constant tug of war of noise and and signals. Mm -hmm. Do you think, oh, yeah, my mother, when she was my age, probably was going through the same thing? My mom was somebody who enjoyed bringing community together. The unit is not just your inner core family, um, but it's the whole entire village, the village that raises the child. And I think that we lost some of that when we were trying to create cities and what could that look like in a modern day where uh, community is conscious of who you want to be parenting around. Being in Kenya in this very like organic space that 
life is a little bit like less rigid and structured. People come over unexpectedly and, you know, so it's not so precise. And then coming back to here to really squared boxes and just like gridded cities. I think there's some more to be learned or things that we lost in trying to modernize ourselves. There does feel like this disconnect between what communities and villages used to be and how they raised each other. Well, I think that's coming from, you know, the industrial age and then people think that's what democracy tried to create for us, right? It was like, let's create these McMansions for everybody and we should strive to live in the suburbs and we all have our patch of nature, which is really just a little shrub that's in the front yard. And so then we feel like we've succeeded and that's the American dream. But then it became so isolated. And I think a few things shifted how we think about what is success. So a bunch of um, people from this community that I'm part of called Sandbox, we all went off to Lamu, which is like, an island and there's only like donkeys there and there's one car which is the car of the mayor you know everything is so simple and slow and even just hearing from other friends of mine that are there and talking about the culture is so different and people you know there's even expressions like haraka haraka hina baraka it means quickly quickly like there's no blessings in that sort of like haste makes waste or they'll say pole pole slowly you will indeed get there the lifestyle is so different um and I think my heart feels more centered and where we are now, we might hit another financial crisis in the next couple of years. And you could see when that's happening, when things are moving so fast that people are just rushing to get everywhere. And when things are so rushing, it means something's about to happen. It's not able to like sustain that kind of level of rush. So, you know, life in Kenya is very different. When you were hanging out with this, the local community, was there joy on their face? Oh my gosh, there was so much joy. Background for people who don't know me, I'm, I grew up in Canada, but uh, had been going back to Kenya just to like connect with my mom. And so she's moved out there for health reasons. For her, it's like mental health oriented. So this person who had led this workshop was talking about some so, some cultures where they were poverty stricken, but that they were actually way happier than Americans. And the reason why is because they have extreme access to bright light, sunlight. They also are very active because their work requires them to go get what they need. And so that's giving them exercise. It's a very social community. And so naturally, their lifestyle was an antidepressant. And I was thinking of my mom and sort of being in this community and how she's getting sun and she's able to go for a walk every day and random people talk to her all the time and just make her feel so loved and included. And I think as much as I wondered if she should be here, realized that her life there, life is a little bit slower. Life allows you to think about the state of your heart. Like, how is your heart at this present moment. I think that when people are are rushed less, we create space for that. And that was definitely something that when I came back, when someone asked me, how are you doing? I will never tell them I'm so busy right now. I'm getting rid of the word busy from my vocabulary because I think it's ridiculous the way that we've just decided to run around like headless chickens all the time. Let's take a break. Also, a quick word about one of our supporters. So we don't do canned ad spots at Talk Human to Me. 
we want to get to know the humans behind the sponsors that we work with. I'm going to give Mauricio Escamilla a quick call, the founder and executive creator of Maori Audio, a full-service audio, sound design, and music production studio based in Ridgewood, Queens, New York. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mauricio. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What core value of Maori Audio personally means a lot to you? Maori Audio is the culmination of my love for music, sound, and expressive production. Drawn to music and sound at a young age, I decided to focus on the science of it all, how to capture and truly make sound as emotive and powerful as it needs to be in order to fully move and impact the viewer and listener. A core value would be working with those whose voice needs to be amplified. I've had the pleasure of working with many independent artists, producers, and filmmakers to make their production as strong as it can be. Amplifying the voice of the voiceless, specifically marginalized people, is a big part of my work, and it brings me joy and fulfillment as a person of color from immigrant parents to be able to do that. Now, back to the conversation. You're talking about this immense joy and the therapy of nature and the sun and how it's quite literally providing healing environment for your mother. Why is it that so many people still strive to move into that big high rise, get into that hustle, get into a life with that big screen TV or that super nice car? Why is that? Our reason for being is actually very different for everybody. For some people, having that really awesome car that has this incredible engine, it's their playground. When they were younger and they loved engines, that's their joy. And I think that that brings them extreme happiness. For some people, it's frenetic because they need to make sure they get that car because it gives them some sense of validation. And I think it's important for us to know and stick to our values and our principles. People like Warren Buffett, who are completely in line with their sweet spot between their motivations versus their abilities. And I think then many of us end up just trying to emulate those people instead of trying to really find out what is our voice and what is what are our core principles and, and values and how much of you is really based on what you truly believe versus just because you're too afraid to embark on a journey past what you can see. There's also this metaphor of this house. So we, we have this journey, we have this beautiful house and these white picketed fence and we're sitting on this balcony and we're on this rocking chair looking out and we can sort of see the pathway leaves and leads into this forest, but there's this huge fog in front of this forest. So we can really clearly only see like 10 feet ahead. And when we decide finally that we are going to get up from this chair and go and embark on that trail to see what's there, we actually realize that we can't get up anymore because we're now 65 because we finally retired. And so what does it mean to just like get up, embark on a journey that's a little bit scary? So many of us are just chasing something based on what has been repeated by other people. In your own life, over the last two years, a lot of things have happened right how has a human being changed in you how how have things shaped you over the last couple years 
I mean, one of the biggest things was I, a huge shift in my life has been from the summertime when somebody tried to run over my father as he was coming home from the mosque and um, dressed in his religious uh, garment. Um, he, you know, he's a grandfather. He's definitely a senior citizen at this point. And so many people reached out and I'm so grateful for those people who did and sharing the story. And I don't know, it's funny because someone who's a good friend wrote to me and said, like, your life will never be the same. And I remember reading that and, 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 and they were also like, just uh, reminding me to be gentle with my own heart. And because I jumped into action to like, take care of everything flew out to Saskatoon. That was like the entrepreneur in you, right? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm not going that direction anymore. I'm going this direction, pivot, quick pivot, head over to my dad, wondering what's happening demanded answers from the police wanting to know because they were like, oh, we can't do anything. We didn't get the license or whatever. And I was like, nope, that's not enough for me. I need to talk to the chief police. I need to like, you know, exhaust all resources to find out what can be done. And then when that didn't work, I went to the media. And then I, the media asked, you know, so many questions. I ended up organizing this big event that ended up, in my mind, I'm starting a new revolution. But I know in that moment, a fire was lit up in me, a burning inside. Mother Teresa talked about like doing, finding so something in which you find an intersection between joy and pain. And that's sort of like a way to drive forward uh, something that you can do for this world. And I think that really was trying to create joy out of something that was so painful. And so we ended up having hundreds of people come. I went into uh, municipal, provincial, federal level government and had different people, different writings representing different political views as well as having different beliefs and at the same time being Canadian and people came from different cities to walk in solidarity from the mosque to the house. I got to see a person with low visibility walk with a walking stick with their dog. And so we also had the indigenous community come in and we had a, a blessing. We had this in front of the mosque and also just like having a, a dance that we did together. And it was like so Canadian because it was so diverse and so wonderful. And I think this definitely shifted something in me. It made me think about in what ways I have been supportive to people when they lost a parent. Thankfully, my dad's okay now, but it was very traumatic. And I started to think like, in what ways can I be there for people and how can I lead a life that allows me to value the relationships the way that I do and also recognizing, you know, like some of the people that maybe people have seen me be so resilient didn't necessarily show up in the way that I wanted, but then other people came out from the woodwork that I didn't know. But uh, so it's, it's pretty amazing to see like who knows you that well, who knows you super well and how do you, create a life aligned to the things that you care about, the relationships and, and knowing what people need when they're in a situation like that. It's brought me a lot closer to like other people who might be struggling and just choosing and knowing, okay, I know I can be there for this person in, in this other way. I, I think it's definitely shifted the relationships that I am prioritizing and that means I have a limited amount of time. How can I be there for the people I care about and not just in the superficial way of being there? There's going to be people that are 
you know, in your life for different like season reason, lifetime friends. But I still think I want to be less passive about that. I think just being brought up with something like mortality, how am I living my life, uh, wanting to just do things that I really care about. And just now I sort of have a blank canvas in terms of the direction that I can go because things have opened up for me and um, I have to make a decision. I, I don't have any projects on the go right now, which is really a new thing for me. And so I have things on the back burner, but I want to be very intentional about, you know, where is that focus going to go and how can I make it really aligned with what I care about? And yeah, it's just given me a chance to be human right now during the Holiday, I'm going back to Africa. I'll be in Kenya again. I'm going to spend more time with my mom. I can, you know, do my work and be anywhere for that. So something I'm excited about is just recognizing that I could be a bridge between like very different ways of being and being way more intentional about how I spend my time. I think also just it's helped me realize that how important it is to have this abundant mindset we talk about versus like scarcity mindset. So I can be there and I want to be there for certain friends. I, can, I make the time if I want to make the time. And um, my mindset around being a leader has shifted a lot. I think of now being a leader as being in service to others versus like being somebody who's leading the way it's like no I now go into conversations about like how can I help you with what you're you know currently working on and I don't look at that as like oh no but now I have less time to like make my way go forward it's instead thinking about oh I'm practicing a muscle of leadership and and that's going to help their day and maybe that's going to encourage them to help other people so talking with our guests I noticed certain emotions come up not just in them but also in other founders. This got me curious about the psychology and science behind that. I called up Dr. Netra Pan, a doctorate of science who gives lectures on entrepreneurship and social change at the Faculty of Management at City, University of London's business school formerly known as CAS. You can find more information about Netra at netrapan.net. That is N-E-T-T-R-A-P-A-N.net. So, Depending on the phenomena being studied, Professor Pan's research draws from studies in social psychology, sociology, and strategy. So she can definitely drop some knowledge on us. Hey, Professor Pan, this is Jeff. Got a question for you. I noticed founders often reflect on motivations, whether they are internal or external. So why is it so much easier to use externalities as motivations rather than finding internal motivations? So first of all, you can call me Netra. Second of all, that's a really interesting question. I think we can sit here and speculate about all the different reasons why people are gravitating towards extrinsic motivators versus intrinsic ones. For example, extrinsic ones can be applied externally and can be quantified, measured, versus intrinsic motivators might take you a lifetime to fully understand, to really gain that self-knowledge. But what's interesting is we can look at the research, and from the research, we know that specific tasks can be done more frequently, better, more efficiently, based on the type of motivator that we put in place. 
So we know that creative tasks are performed much more poorly if we have extrinsic motivators. All of a sudden, we've increased the stakes that can be super stressful, not conducive to creative thinking, and moreover, not conducive to the types of processes that you need to go through in order to solve the problem. So if you enjoy solving puzzles, for example, intrinsic motivators will actually help you get to the creative solution. But I want to give another point as well, um, because I gave you an example about different types of tasks. But what we're finding out now is that the actual goals that entrepreneurs set and the actual strategies that they use to achieve those goals can also be explained by intrinsic motivators. So for example, social identity theory by Brewer and Gardner, um, they published a paper on this in 1996. They say that we can explain human behavior based on how that person sees themselves and their place in the world. And researchers like uh, Mark Gruber, Emmanuel Fauchard, um, I've used this uh, theory as well in my own research in the entrepreneurship setting. And what we found is that if someone is primarily identifying themselves as a business person, they're going to choose specific products, specific strategies in their entrepreneurial processes versus someone who is starting a business because they see themselves as part of a larger whole, as part of broader society, for example. So social identity theory actually explains literally the materials that you're going to use for the products and the strategies you're going to use to achieve your entrepreneurial goals. Thank you, Dr. Pan. Thank you for the awesome conversation. I hope what we've talked about has sparked some new thoughts for our listeners to reflect on. We end each episode with this question. Ultimately, what's the point of all of this? Hmm. I think, one, the point is to find out what your point is. One thing that's resonated with me is to Find your gift and share that gift to others. Another point is not trying to feel like we have the answers and that there's one way to be. I think being in sync with ourselves and our values so that we are creating happiness. I think we don't talk a lot about happiness. And I think that's even one of the things that we are coming to realize as we sort of get into this next era of trying to figure out whether we're going to be still valuable as human beings um, as we are at risk of being, um, you know, wiped out or just finding what is at our core and knowing that, you know, we all have different beliefs. We're sort of all trying to get somewhere. We're all pointing from different directions, trying to get to this greater place. And we all have our different ways of practicing that. And I think part of it is just practicing uh, our beliefs and that brings us true happiness and joy so that we can live as good humans find fully curated experiences of all of our episodes at talkhumantome.com backslash episodes also take a look at the work and causes our guests and visiting experts deeply care about at talkhumantome.com backslash discover we like working with sponsors that fundamentally care about helping people reflect and reconnect. Our sponsors are offering special treats to our fans directly in the show notes or at talkhumantome.com backslash sponsors. 
This show takes a dedicated squad. Shoutouts to designer Lala O'Penny for our show's artwork and to audio engineer Mauricio Escamilla for his audio wizardry. Please check out their companies and creations in the show notes or at talkhumantome.com backslash squad. And finally, infinite love to our advisors, mentors, friends, and family. You make our existence and our ability to keep going possible. Be well, be curious, practice empathy, and stay human. <laughs>